John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. that I want to try to answer this morning is who is the mission for? I want you to look in your Bibles in Luke chapter 10 in verses 1 through verse 11. Luke chapter 10 verse 1 down through verse number 11. And the Bible says, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I love verse 3. Now go. That's it. Now go. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, a traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. And whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer. For the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't be moving from house to house. And when you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there. And tell them, get this, tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Get that. That's the message. The kingdom of God has come near you. And when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we are wiping off as a witness against you even the dust of your town that clings to our feet. Know this for certain. The kingdom of God has come near. Now look in verse 17. And it says, the 70... Returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You see, I really believe that the church today has forgotten who the mission is for. Now, whenever we talk about the mission, I guess I'm in referencing or referencing the Great Commission. Who was it that is to be part of the mission or the Great Commission? And sometimes we as a church, because I don't know how we've fallen into this, but we've fallen into this consumer mentality. We've fallen into what can this church do for me? And we sit in our our metal chairs, figurative, I guess it's true for you guys. We sit in our metal chairs Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and we think, what can the church do for me? But who is the mission really for? Some may say, well, and I believe this is the church overall in the 21st century. Well, it's for those that are in full-time Christian service. The mission is for the pastors. The mission is for those that are in full-time Christian service. They are the ones that are supposed to be sharing the gospel and fulfilling the Great Commission. But here's what I want you to understand. The mission is for everyone. There's not one person... 
that can sit in any church. If Christ has transformed your life, if you have become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are called to be part of the mission. You are called to take your part and to do what God has called you to do, and that's to be part of the mission. Jesus says that he appointed 70 others. Now, I've got a question for you. Can anyone name the 70 others that he appointed? Can anybody do that? Can, can, you, can you tell me anything about these 70? Matter of fact, if you can do that, I'll give you the WMO offering next Sunday if you can tell me who the 70 are. You can't. Nowhere in Scripture do we have any reference to the name of these 70. Now, in the 21st century church, we would say, are you kidding me? I mean, don't you realize what I have gone and done for the church? Surely there should be some recognition. Surely someone should call my name out on Sunday and tell everybody what I've been doing for the mission. I need the recognition. I need to know that I'm needed. But here in these 70, you don't know anything about them. These 70 walked with Jesus. These 70 were personally chosen by Jesus. These 70 touched him. These 70 were touched by him. But we know nothing about them except that they went. Surely, if we go back and study church history, surely these 70 should be mentioned somehow. But we see nothing at all. We don't even know their names. But you know what it tells me? It tells me that the mission... Is for everyone. The mission is for everybody. I'm reminded in chapter number 9, the previous chapter of the Gospel of Luke, you'll find what these were doing. These were just common, ordinary people. The 70 that he sent out to go two by two were just common, everyday, ordinary people. I'm reminded if you go back and you study chapter number 9, you'll find that these people were so ordinary that, that they argued and fought with one another. You, you go back in chapter number 9 and you see where they are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in this kingdom that's going to come. I mean, they are so self-centered. They are so selfish. They're arguing. And, and then we see that these are the ones that the Lord says, I have appointed you to go. The point I want you to see is not so much that they're arguing, but that they are just ordinary people. A lot of times we think before we can be involved in the mission that we must have seminary training. They had none. That we must have some type of Bible knowledge. They really didn't know anything. That we must have our theologies all figured out. They didn't know anything about the theology of sanctification. They didn't know anything about the theologies of atonement. They didn't know anything about eschatology. They didn't have homiletics class. They did not have hermeneutics. They had nothing whatsoever. They were just ordinary people. I think sometimes because maybe it's our culture is so specialized you know, I remember back in the day, the only doctor I ever saw was our general doctor, Dr. Hart. And anytime anything was wrong, I don't care what it was. I mean, he could remove warts. He could unclog ears. He could sew up stitched and cut knees. He could, he could put a cast on. I mean, that's who we went to for anything. I'm amazed now how we have all these specialists. 
You know, we have a doctor, so I, I can just refer you to someone. And we have to go to all these different specialists for every single need in our life physically. Well, I think sometimes we have, uh, maybe we've adopted that philosophy into the church. And we think, boy, I, I really think there is a need to share the gospel. I really think there is a need to be involved in the mission. But I'm not qualified. I'm not a specialist in that area. Surely it must be for the pastor or it must be for seminary students. It can't be for me. I want you to know, church, the mission is for everyone. Here we have these 70 with no name whatsoever. Here we have these 70 that were arguing and fighting and just being people in chapter number 9. Just ordinary people. Let me ask you a question. Are you involved in the mission? What are you doing to help spread the gospel? These 70 received from instructions from the Lord and they went out. And the Bible says in verse number 17, they came back rejoicing. I mean, they came back excited about what they had been sent out to do. Sometimes I believe in the 21st century church that we just kind of reserve all of that for the specialist, for those that have been well-trained. I want you to forget about that. I want you to know, as I shared with you last week, what does it take to be a witness? Just tell your story. Just go out, be involved, get engaged, share your story, what the Lord has done for you, and get involved in the mission. The mission is for everyone, okay? But what are some of the instructions? I think the instructions that he gave the 70 are going to be the same even for us today. So let's look in this passage of Scripture in Luke 1 down, or Luke 10, verses 1 down through 11, and let's see what the instructions are to be on mission for the Lord. I want you to jot these down on the back of your worship folder there. You can write these things down. But there's about three or four things I want you to jot down. The first thing I see as far as the instruction is that we are to pray. Look what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. After he appointed the 70 others and he sent them ahead in pairs to every town and every place where he was about to go, he told them the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, and he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. You see, as these 70 were going... The very first instruction that we see given to them was to pray for more workers. To pray for workers to go into the harvest. Now, I don't know about you, whenever I read those two verses, there's all types of things that pop out at me and, and that I see jumping out of those two verses. I want, let, me, let me just give you a quick review of some things that I see jumping out of these two verses. First of all, I want you to see that the harvest is there. The harvest is ready. Look what he says in verse number 2. The harvest is abundant. The harvest is already there. And he tells them to pray for more workers. Now here's what I know about the harvest and it already being there. I know these 70 that were sent out into the harvest, they weren't in charge. These 70 that were sent out, they did not own the field. These 70 that were sent out because the harvest was already ready for them, they did not sow the seed. They didn't pull any weeds. They just went out into the harvest. I don't know about you, but I find that pretty comforting. I don't have to be in charge. Hello? I went to uh, the radio Bible class conference this past week. I think it was last Tuesday morning over in St. Louis. And they had a, a conference for pastors over there. And I went over there for a breakfast and a, a meeting that morning. And, and I just showed up. Matter of fact, 
and Brother John Pratt went with me, and we, 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 we went to the wrong conference before we got to our conference. We were registering for another conference, and I don't even know what it was. And there were hundreds of people going there. I'm thinking, well, this must be the conference. So we go there, and we're registering, and they said, do you have your business cards? And I thought, that's kind of odd. No, I don't have my business card with me. And they said, okay, just fill this out. And I looked down, these hundreds of lanyards are there, and it says something like, A-E-I or A-I-E or something like that. And, and I'm feeling, I'm registering for this conference thinking I'm at the right conference. And, and I look up and I say, what conference is this? And he said, well, it's A-E-I or whatever it was. I just totally dismissed it. I said, I'm looking for the RBC, <laughs> RBC conference. He said, are you a pastor? And I said, yeah. He said, he kind of said it. He didn't really say it, but he insinuated that many of you guys have been coming here. Your conference is over, over there. And so we went over to the RBC conference. And so we go in there and we walk and get this. We're a little bit late. The traffic getting to St. Louis that morning was horrible. We finally get there. We go to the wrong conference in that building, and they send us to another part of the building. We get there, and they said, oh, here, welcome. And they gave us our lanyards and our name tags and what have you and our goodie bag and this and that and the other. They said, please go in. They're just now getting ready to serve breakfast. We go in, and there's tables everywhere, room about this size, and round tables everywhere, and filled up with all types of people. And I said, Brother John, where do you want to sit? And he said, just pick a table. And I said, let's go there. So we went, and we sat down at a table. As soon as we sat down, the host came up and said, this table now can get up and go to the breakfast line. I said, is God good or what? You know? Boom, there we are. And so we get up and we go to the breakfast line. We come back and we eat our breakfast. And we're the first ones that get to eat. And, and uh, we sit there. And then the conference starts. So now I've got some, a lady from the Bot Radio Network comes and sits down beside of us and starts talking about us and our church and our ministry. And we were sharing with her what God's doing. And, and uh, she want, get this, she wanted to do a, a segment on Bot Radio Network about our church. And I thought, hey, that's, that's kind of pretty cool. And on uh, 91.5. And so anyhow, we're sitting there talking to her. She said, do you have a business card? And I said, oh, I don't have anything. And, and she said, did you not come prepared for this meeting? And here's what I told her. I said, listen, I'm not in charge. My job today is show up and sit down and eat and listen. And I said, I can do that pretty good. I said, I'm in charge of a lot of things. And when I get on the scene, I have to make decisions and do things and manage. I said, I just came to be blessed today. I don't have anything. So anyhow, I wrote my name on a piece of paper for her and gave it to her and, her address, and my address and stuff. And, but the point is, these 70 that went out, they're not in charge. I find that a, a good thing. I see that pretty exciting, that they were not in charge. The harvest is already ready. They don't own the field. They're not even managing the field. They didn't pull out any weeds. They didn't plant any seeds. They're just going out there to reap the harvest. The harvest is already ready. And I guess the second observation, I've already alluded to it, in this grand mission, God is in charge. Look what the text says, and I'm just pulling this out of the text. In verse number 2, it says the harvest is abundant. So there it is. It's already ready. In the latter part of that verse, it says pray to who we pray into. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. So who's in control here? God is, right? You see, you don't have to manage anything to be a part of the mission. You don't have to be in charge. You don't have to make all the decisions. All you've got to do is go and tell your story. All you've got to do is go and just share with someone what the Lord has done for you because God is in charge. And I guess the other thing that I see is that we are at his disposal. In other words, he directs us. You see, for these 70, he gave them some direction. He said to go. He told them to go into the harvest that's already prepared for them, that's already ready. And I guess here's some of the application. 
what we need to do is get in the mission and realize all it takes is ordinary people. It doesn't take specialists, just ordinary people. You say, well, I don't understand everything in the Bible. I just say, join the club. I don't either. Right? I don't understand everything in Scripture. You say, well, I don't have all my doctrine figured out. It's okay. You don't have to to be part of the mission. Now, you can study and you can grow, and I'm not saying that's not a reason to not grow more in the Word, but the point I want you to see is that everybody's to be part of the mission, and we just simply go. The Lord is in charge. The harvest is already ready. We don't have to manage anything. We don't have to supervise it. We don't have to be in charge. We just go and share our story. Amen? We all can do that. And as we're going, he says that we are to pray. That's instruction number one. What's instruction number two? Instruction number one is to pray for more workers. What is the second instruction that he gives us? This one you'll overlook if you're not real careful. And I've already paused on it and drawn your attention to it. So it will be obvious to you now. But there's only two words for the second part of the instruction. Go. Now go. That's what he says in verse number, verse number three. Now go. You see, just as Jesus commissioned the 12 disciples to go, he's now telling these 70 that they are to go. He trusts them. He empowers them as his representatives and his ambassador. He says, just go. You see, sometimes I think, sometimes I think that we make the Great Commission way too complicated. Way too complicated. What we need to do is just say, hey, Christ has changed my life. He's come into my life. He's, he's transformed me. I believe that Jesus is God's son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was buried. He rose again the third day. He changed my life. Now my eternal home is in heaven. Nothing good that I have done. Everything is what he has done. He's changed me. And now I'm just simply going to go and tell my story. Guys, and I've said this last week. I want to reiterate it again today. Let's not make this thing too complicated. Let's just go. Let's just tell our story. Let's pray for more workers. And let's just go. I wonder, how many people has God brought across your path this past week? And maybe we failed to tell our story to them. You see, a lot of times we're looking for this great strategy And I'll be honest with you, I've been guilty of that in the past. Looking for another strategy to reach people. And here's how I found the best way. And I've studied after a lot of different strategies on evangelism, but the very best way I've discovered is this. Just build a relationship with someone. Start engaging in their life. Asking how they're doing. And share your story. Go get a cup of coffee. Go to lunch. Just engage. You know, to me, that's the best way to do evangelism. Just people that God brings across my path on a daily basis. I don't, because sometimes when we get into a strategy, we think the only time we can do this is either Tuesday or Thursday evening from 7 to 8.30 when we do evangelism. Man, that should happen every day of our life. We, we should be part of the mission every single day of our life. And those people that God brings across our path, just simply, simply tell them what God's done for you. So what are the instructions so far to these ordinary 70 people that Jesus appointed to go, what are the instructions? Number one, pray. And we should be praying. He told us specifically, pray for more workers. And then the second instruction is what? Go. It's, it's really not rocket science here, guys. It's pretty elementary. To be part of the mission, we just realize it takes ordinary people from all walks of life, 
Young, old alike, it doesn't matter. Age is not even a, a reference here. Anybody can do this. Just go. And the third thing I want you to see. Now get this. In verses 3 through verse number 8. The third thing I want you to write down is, and I guess for the lack of a better word, just, just write down two words, danger and dependence. As you're going, we pray, but I want you to know that there will be some danger, and we are to be dependent. Now, I realize that is countercultural to our day and to most that sit in our churches. You see, because we have... Somehow I think we have created an environment of safety. We don't want any of our church people to ever be in danger. And we've also created this interdependence sometimes that this personal, I should say, this personal independence of, to where, you know, I don't need anybody, don't need anything, I got this all together. You know that's contrary to the instructions that Jesus gave? He said, by the way, you're going to be like a lamb's. Among wolves. Now, ponder that for a moment. Who in their right mind, who in their right mind would send lambs out in the midst of wolves? You know they are going to be devoured. You know they are going to be harmed. You know that is dangerous. But who did that? Jesus did. Look in the text in verse 3. Now go, and he says, by the way, almost as a parenthesis, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So whenever we get involved in the mission, I want to be up front and I want you to know that, listen, there are two things we're going to have to deal with. One is danger and the other is dependence. We're going to be like lambs among the wolves. And I've already mentioned how it's a funny thing in our culture today. We've modeled and we taught almost the exact, exact opposite of how we're looking for safety in that personal independence. But why would Jesus do that? I mean, isn't Jesus the good shepherd, as it teaches us in God's Word? Isn't he the great shepherd? Would the great shepherd send the lambs out among the wolves? Why would he do that? Well, I think the reason is this, and I believe I've got a slide for this. If not, you've got to write this down. The reason is this. The importance of the mission outweighs the danger. Guys, I want you to get that. The importance of the mission. What's so important about the mission? What's so important about it is that souls are at stake. What's so important about it is that we do, if we do not engage in the mission and we do not share the message of the mission with our loved ones and, and co-workers and family members and friends and people that God brings across our path, if we do not engage in the mission, then there are, there are eternal consequences. I mean, I'm talking about eternal consequences like missing heaven. I'm talking about eternal consequences like spending an eternity. And I know this is not popular, but guys, I'm going to preach the word even in the 21st century. No one wants to hear about hell on Sunday morning. But I promise you, church, if there's not a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, why are we even here today? Amen? 
I don't want my loved ones to go to hell. I don't want my family to go to hell. I don't want my friends to go to hell. I don't want people to go to hell. But there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And there are eternal consequences for not engaging in the mission and sharing the gospel with those that God brings across our path. Amen? And we need to realize that whenever we are out sharing, in the day, there is going to be danger that's out there. And we've got to be dependent. But the importance of the mission far outweighs the danger. Question, is Jesus callous towards the sheep? Does he not care? No, just the contrary. He does care. But he realizes the mission is far more vital than the danger that we may be exposed to. So then there comes dependence. Not only is there danger, but then there's also dependence. You see, Jesus' instructions also are about dependence. Not only danger, but also dependence. Look what he says back in the text. In verse 4. He says, don't carry a money bag or a traveling bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. And whatever house you enter, first say peace to the household. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house. And get this. Eat and drink what they offer. You know, don't make a big deal about it. Whatever's put before you, eat it. Whatever's put before you, drink it. Just eat and drink what they offer. Don't prepare. Don't make a tremendous amount of preparation. Back in verse number four. Don't carry your money bag or your traveling bag or your sandals. Just go. You see, a lot of times I think before we go, we want to make sure everything is taken care of. Before we really get engaged in the mission, we spend so much time in preparation. And the Lord just said, go. Just depend on me. I will provide for you. And all through the scripture, God has told us that I will provide for your needs according to my riches and glory. Just go. Just engage. Just trust me. Just depend on me. But you see, sometimes, and I think this is where our culture almost has kind of taken over some in the church. We have this, this, this independence, and, and we've got to be sure that everything's taken care of, and we're working for this and working for that. And once we get everything in order, then we will engage in the mission. And the Lord says, don't do that. Just go. Just trust me. Get your hands off of it. It's not yours anyway. Just go and trust me. Sometimes we're not willing to go until everything is in order. Don't you think these 70 had some questions? Don't you think that, you know, I can't help but think at the end of the, the commission that the Lord was giving these 70, possibly, it's not recorded in Scripture, but possibly he says, are there any questions? <laughs> Don't you know that they all had questions? But, but wait a minute, Lord, what about, what about, what about, don't you know they had a million questions? What do you think the answer to all those questions were? I, I, I can tell you, I believe it was twofold. Go and depend on me. Go and depend on me. Go and depend on me. And you know when they became joyful? When they went and depended on him, they came back in verse number 17, rejoicing and telling everything that God had done for them while they we're on the journey. Was it dangerous? Yes, it's going to be dangerous. Is there danger out there for us today? Sure there is. Matter of fact, and I'm going to get into great detail about this, but I think we are right at the threshold of some serious persecution for the Christian church in the United States of America. 
Now, we do know that there's been persecution on the body of Christ and the church around the world for years, for centuries, really, ever since the conception of the church. And we have had for a long time here in the United States, almost like we've been sheltered, like we've been living under a rock, if you will, with our faith, where God, I believe in this is all a part of his purpose and his plan, has sheltered us and given us this wonderful country that we call the United States of America where we are free to worship any given day, any given time. I mean, get this, even we are here in a government school preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now that just doesn't happen everywhere. But there are already attacks on that. And I don't know if you knew this, but there was a bill that was put up to Congress and even up to the Senate to ban all religious organizations from meeting in schools. And that happened about a year or so ago. I was really, really concerned about that because if that thing would have passed, we would have been kicked out of Moy's school. You see, I believe we're right on the threshold of persecution for the church in the United States of America. And I've been studying a lot on persecution over the past several weeks, and that's going to be my theme when I preach at our national convention this summer is is God is faithful to the persecuted. And I've really been studying a lot about persecution, and I believe we as a church are getting ready to undergo in the United States some serious persecution for our faith. And I can't help but think, I wonder who I'll preach to on those Sunday mornings. I wonder who will be here. You know, I, I hope and pray we all will be here. But I don't know. I wonder who's willing to go worship the Lord in the face of danger and totally depend upon our God to meet our needs. I hope that's all of you. But only time will tell. I was listening to Dr. John MacArthur preach a while back and he was preaching on the subject of persecution and, and he was talking about the church or a pastor in Russia that had come to his church and he was speaking with him after his message on that Sunday morning and the Russian pastor or, or Dr. John MacArthur said to the Russian pastor, he said, I guess, I guess it's difficult to pastor in your country. And this is when they were under great persecution, the church was. I guess it's difficult to pastor in, in your country and, and not really know who the Christians are because everybody had to be so secretive. He said, no. He said, it's a lot easier. He said, I know who the Christians are in my congregation. Because what they're willing to put on the line, they're willing to put their life on the line to be involved in our ministry. He said, I feel sorry for you, pastoring in America with these thousands of people in your church. He said, I guess you're the one that really struggles on knowing who the real believers are and who they're not. Because there's no persecution here. As he shared that, I was like, wow, that's true. I wonder, what are we doing? When we get involved in the mission, there's going to be danger. But when the danger comes, we just need to be dependent. And he promised us, the Lord promised us he would never leave us, he would never forsake us, that he'd meet all of our needs. And he gave the same instruction to these disciples. In closing, let me share this one last thought, and I'm done. What's the message of the mission? What is the message? I want you to look in verses 8 through 11, and I'll be done. It says, When you enter into any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you, heal the sick who are there, tell them, get this, the kingdom of God has come near you. 
When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go into the streets and say, We're wiping off as a witness against you even the dust of your town that clings to our feet. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. What's the message? The message is simple. The kingdom of God is near. That's the message. Now here's what I find maybe a little bit ironic. That's the message whether it's received or rejected. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God has come near. Get this. The message is not pointing to someone and saying you are a sinner. You're going to you know, turn or burn. You know, if you don't get right, you're going to hell. That's not what the message is. The message is the kingdom of God is near. Will you receive him? That was the message. Now, what I just said, is that true? Yeah, it is. It's certainly true. But the message is simply the kingdom of God is near. And an invitation to engage and become part of that kingdom. The message of the kingdom of God is near. It's close. And God wants to transform your love by you being a part of the kingdom. And we go out and we invite folks. Let me ask you in closing. Are you engaged in the mission? What is it that God is calling you to do in the mission? As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. What is your part in this grand mission of God? What are you doing? Now, guys, I really believe that this is something that every single one of us need to wrestle with. I really believe that this is something we all need to experiment with. We need to take some risk. We need to get involved in the mission. Can I say one more thing? I told you I'll be done here in a minute. I'm I'm trying to wrap this thing up. But listen, life isn't just about you. It really isn't. It really isn't. And the sooner we get our thoughts and our minds and our eyes off of ourselves and get them focused on the Lord, I think then we can really begin engaging in the mission. Because it's not about me. It really is not about me. And it really is not about you. These 70 ordinary people, God said, pray. He said, go. He said, there'll be danger. And he said, depend on me. What's your part? What are you doing? As far as the mission is concerned. Wrestle with that. I I hope you wrestle with that question all week long. What am I doing? What am I doing? As part of the mission, what am I doing? Wrestle with that. Wrestle with that. I hope, I really hope, and I really pray that you're not able to rest, that you're not able to sleep until you've settled that in your heart. What is your role in the mission? God's called all of us. Who's to be part of it? Everyone. These 70 are a great example. What are you doing? Father, Right now, Lord, we just commit this time to you. And Lord, we just pray that
each and every one of us would engage and be part of the of the mission that we would go we don't have to be in control of it we don't have to make all the decisions God the harvest is there it's ready it's ripe the workers are few God help us to pray for more workers help us to pray for more workers Help us to go. Help us to be wise. Help us to see the danger. Help us to depend on you. And at the end, we'll be like these disciples were in verse 17. When they came back rejoicing. Father, have your will and your way in this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.